Well, my name's Pastor Jared, and I get the privilege to give week five of the Pursuit series. You know, our mission is very simple here at Alpine Church. We want to help people pursue God. So we worked on this series for years and turned it into a teaching series. That's how important we think this series is. So we put 12 topics together of what a pursuit of God looks like. In week one, we kind of started. So if, if you're here and you're just trying to figure out who God is, week one, we talked about how God pursues us before we even think about pursuing God. That he created you, that you're a part of his plans. The fact that you're here proves that. And that he is pursuing you. And then in week two, the Bible is foundational. And we looked at how God reveals himself through scripture through the Bible and how the Bible can be our authority in life. So when we come to decisions in life or topics in life that are very, very controversial, what do we do as followers of Christ? The first step is, what does God say about this? Because we want to align our thoughts, our beliefs, our passions with God's truth. Then in week three, we looked at Imago Dei, the image of God. Now God created all of us in the image of God. We are image bearers of Christ. And because of that, we are his treasured creation. There's so much value that God sees in us because he created us. And every life is worthy of dignity and respect. And then last week, we looked at the bad news. In chapter three, in Genesis, it talks about the bad news. So in chapter one and two, God's creating. And everything that he creates is in those two chapters. And when he said he created man, he said it was very good. And then in chapter 3, we said that we saw that Adam and Eve chose sin. They, they chose their opinions and their path over God's path. God said, you can eat from any of the trees over here, just don't eat from the one in the center. And they disobeyed God and sin entered the world. And that is the bad news of the Bible, that we are born into this world separated from God. But today we're going to be looking at the good news, and you can kind of see how these are building in order and the reason I, I, I point that out, so if you, these resources, this 12, 12 weeks of topics, we're trying to get these in your hands so that you could actually disciple somebody. There's a quick video, and then there's questions to talk about the video. And so if you missed any of the weeks, you can go back to pursuegod.org go, and that will bring you to this series, and you can get caught up on all the details, but it is such a great series because it really does tell and show somebody what a pursuit of God looks like. And within that, we're going to talk about all the details. And today, we're going to look at Jesus in the early church. So we talked about the bad news, that we have a sin problem, but there is good news. And that good news is based on Jesus. And so for that reason, what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing in life. Because there's a lot of ideas about Jesus. You know, some people think he was a, a good teacher or just a rabbi. I remember I got a knock on the door one Saturday morning and opened it up, and there was this woman, and she said, I want to share some details about, about the Bible with you. And I said, great. She had no idea it was a pastor. Now, she wasn't from the dominant religion here, but another one, and she started getting into it. And she goes, what do you think about Jesus? I said, I think Jesus is fully God. And she goes, no. He's lowercase g God. And so I had the the opportunity to present that, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm passionate about the Bible. I I, I started rambling off scripture after scripture where it's communion. She's like, no, that's not true. And I said, I love you. I'd love to talk to you this more, but I got to get back. Love you. Bye. 
There are so many different ideas about Jesus. And it is so important that we get Jesus right. This life is all about the life that he's given you. We looked at purpose in week three and how it's all rooted in love. But this main purpose of why God brought you here was to be in a relationship with him. And the way we are in a relationship is through Jesus. It is foundational to the Christian beliefs that you get Jesus right. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. The big idea here, God sent Peter to the house of Cornelius to share the good news about Jesus. Peter's message in Acts 10, 34 through 43, so if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at uh, Peter's words, clearly outlines the five main teachings about Jesus in the early church. So let's give a little back history here of what's going on. Cornelius is a Roman soldier, and he's pursuing God, and he's interested in Judaism. He's interested in that Jewish culture, and he's, he's hearing things about God, and he has this heart to want to know God. And so God supernaturally is going to bring Peter to Cornelius, and Cornelius is not Jewish, So this is the first time in Scripture that we see a Gentile that's going to hear the gospel. It's the very first time. So Cornelius has questions, his heart is seeking God, and he wants to know more about God. And so if you are here today and you are seeking God, we love that you're here, that this message is for you. But if you're also here today and you've been a Christian for many, many years, then I want you to have from the perspective of Peter. Who does God want you to share these five teachings with in your life? So there really is something for everyone in this message. But it's important to understand that what we are going to really focus on is that person that's seeking God right now, that you don't really maybe know all the details. If I were to ask you this question before the message, how are we made right with God? How are you made right with God? How would you answer that question? Because Peter's going to answer that question for us. And so we're going to look at the five teachings of Jesus in the early church. And I just want to say, Peter breaks it down so simple. Like sometimes the, the theology of God and everything can get so complicated That word theological is actually intimidating to people. But really what Peter does is in simple language just communicates the truth. And so if you're ever looking at, hmm, yeah, how can I communicate who Jesus is in a simple way? Go to Acts 10, verses 34 through 43, and just read Peter's words. And that's what we're going to do today. So here's the first teaching. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, understanding this word peace, let's go back to last week's message briefly, that we have a sin problem. And that sin problem keeps us separated from God. So there's a sin problem that needs to be fixed, that we need healing from. And what Scripture says is we can't heal heal our own sin problem. And so because of that, we are at conflict with God. I like that word. We are at conflict with God because we have a sin problem. And what Peter's communicating here is that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ. He's called the Prince of Peace. The only way that we can experience peace in our lives is being in a relationship with Jesus. 
Meaning with as long as we are in conflict with God because of our sin problem and, and it hasn't been healed, it hasn't been fixed, then we can never experience peace. And then Peter transitions from that and gives Cornelius in a, a picture of who Jesus is, that he is Lord of all. Basically what he's communicating here, Lord and God in this moment really mean the same thing at this time, but Jesus is supreme. He has the supreme authority, the ultimate authority. He says Jesus is above all. There is nothing above Jesus. What he is communicating, that Jesus is in control of the entire creation of God's creation. That Jesus was not created. He existed. And here's how Paul says it. We'll jump to some of the New Testament writings as well. In Colossians 1, 15 through 17, Paul really emphasizes this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. It's so important to get Jesus right that he is fully God. Yes, he was fully man, but he is fully God. These are just a couple scriptures throughout the Bible that communicate to us that Jesus is fully God. So if you are thinking that you are pursuing buddy Jesus, buddy Jesus doesn't save you. Lowercase g, God, does not save you. Because if you're putting your faith and trust in something that's not true, you will not be saved. Jesus is fully God. And that's what I hope all of our kids' church students understand throughout life. All of our future students that had a great weekend, I hope that they come to this place where they understand that Jesus is fully God. Everyone in this room, I, I pray that we would all understand that Jesus just wasn't a rabbi, that he just wasn't a nice person as he walked the face of the earth, that he is fully God. So that's the first teaching that Peter is communicating to Cornelius, and Cornelius is kind of hearing this language possibly for the very first time and trying to put an understanding and, and, and connect the dots. I love this. Here's the second teaching. In verse 38, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were pressed by the devil. Now, I love that word Emmanuel. That means God with us. And so a big part of understanding that God left the heavenly realm, that Jesus came to be with us, to live with us. And I think this is the easiest thing to remember out of the five teachings that Cornelius is hearing for the, for the first time, that Jesus came and did good things. Yeah, he was good. He did a lot of good things, and most people would acknowledge that and accept that. And if you want to really look at his life of these good, these good works, because in point one, we looked at the person of Jesus. Now we're looking at his works. Go to the four first books. They're called the Gospels in the New Testament, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can read about all that Jesus did, and it is amazing because he really was God with us. He interacted with us. You know, he, at a time, was teaching in the crowd estimated numbers between eight and 10,000 total. 
And he fed him, did this miraculous feeding of just with two fish and a few loaves of bread, was able to feed thousands to the point where they had leftovers. He raised dead men to life. And we see him interact in Luke 4, jumping to the New Testament, as the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, you are the Son of God. Now I want you to remember the bottom there for a minute, because we're going to, in a couple more points, we're going to come back to that. But look at the the command of Jesus and the response of demons, you are the Son of God. Now, going back to the, to, the top, to the top that Jesus came to bring healing to us. And we see he had the power. He was the power of God working in and through him, and he was able to raise dead men to life. He was able to heal illnesses. I love this next one. This is one of my favorite snapshots of Jesus, of, of how he loves us and how he cares for us. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy, meaning it's bad. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Just a couple things here that Jesus spoke things into existence in creation. He could have said just actually desired for this man to be healed and just through the desire of Jesus it would have happened. But I love it. Here's a leper with advanced leprosy, meaning it's bad, where he had to yell out to the community, don't come near me, I'm a leper. And you would, he would have to walk away and he had to make sure that he wouldn't even come close to human contact. And he cries out, his heart says, Jesus, if you are willing. And I love Jesus' response, I am willing I came to bring healing to you. And rather than just say, be healed, this man hasn't had human contact for however many years it's been. And to feel the power of God's hand come upon him, the first person to touch him with his disease is God in the flesh. What that must have felt like, this human contact for the first time, just shows God's heart for us. Jesus came to give us love. Jesus came to bring healing to us. He came to help us. And it's an amazing picture of him just reaching out. Now, before we go to the third teaching, we're looking at what Jesus did do, but it's important before we go to the third teaching to talk about what Jesus didn't do. And this is foundational. So many people think that Jesus was just born into this world just like us that possibly he has a sin problem just like us, but that's false. God is sinless. And it's important to understand that Jesus never sinned. And it's so important because we're going to turn our attention to the cross here in a minute, and that's what Peter's next teaching is going to be to Cornelius. But if Jesus had a sin problem, he wouldn't have been able to help our sin problem. I like how Pastor Ross said this. He says, if I have a leaky bucket and I'm trying to bail out my boat and you come over with your leaky bucket, we're not going to get it done. And as Jesus had a sin problem and we have a sin problem and that's who we're looking to to fix our sin, it's just not going to get done. But see, he lived a sinless life. He never sinned. That's that foundational truth about understanding that he is fully God. And so when we look to healing 
And in Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. A death had to pay for the sins of the world. And we start focusing on the death of Jesus. It's important to understand that he never sinned, that his death can atone for our sins because he is fully God. And here's the point that Peter says. He says they put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. And we see this played out in Luke. It says, by this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. We just looked at all the good things that Jesus had done, healing people, walking with people, raising people from the dead. And now we see his crowning achievement, that he went to the cross for your sins, not his, to give his life for you and for me. Talk about God putting his love into action for us is right here what Jesus has done for us. And I love this. This is about noon and darkness fell across the whole the whole land, you see all of nature grieving the loss of the Son of God. The world just was grieving the loss of Jesus because this is where he conquered our sin problem by giving his death, dying for your sins and for my sins. And I just want us to, before we go to the second part of the cross, because there's more, I want us to put ourselves at this moment because his followers were there. And they're looking at their hope, their savior, their king, and they're trying to process what is happening here because Jesus just died and they've been hearing for years that Jesus was coming and they were so excited. The earth rallied, especially those in the Jewish community, and they're looking at their savior dead, hanging on a cross. And in that moment, we can see that there was confusion. A week before that Palm Sunday, we see all this community coming down with Paul, palm branches, singing up to God. Their Savior is here. And now they're looking at him dead on a cross because they don't understand he didn't come to conquer Rome. They wanted him to come and conquer Rome. And now they're looking at him dying on the cross from the hands of Rome. It's so interesting. And I would say they were hopeless in this moment. Right here, they didn't understand the details. They haven't connected all the dots. The disciples were very confused. But see, there's more to it. Because if he would have remained dead, yes, we wouldn't have hope. But he didn't remain dead. It is the death and the resurrection that are hand in hand. He just hadn't fulfilled and been resurrected yet. So yes, if he would have died and that was it, and then the same happens for us. We live life and then we die and we just remain dead. You're right. We would not have any hope. But he not only conquered sin, he also conquered death. And that's the resurrection. It's the death and the resurrection, which is foundational to the Christian beliefs. And here's the resurrection. Very early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes, then the man asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Amen. 
And now for those that follow Jesus, Jesus is foreshadowing here what is going to happen to his followers. Yes, we are going to experience a death here. But in Scripture, in many places, it says, but you don't truly die because Jesus was resurrected. So therefore, all those who believe in Jesus will also be resurrected because God's plan is just not for the here and now in this earth. He has more for you. And what the death and the resurrection does is it gives us hope that we are going to experience the life, the eternal life, that he has eternal peace through Jesus Christ. That is God's ultimate plan for us. That is the hope that we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And when that happens, our life is transformed, but it just doesn't affect us now. Now there's this eternal blessing of living with an eternal God in eternal heaven forever with nothing but peace. In Revelation, it talks about no more pain, no more illness, no more sickness. Amen, I can't wait for that. No more pain and suffering. No more sunburns. All of it, it's all going to be wiped away. And it's going to be amazing. And my hope is that we would receive and understand that Jesus died and was resurrected. And we respond to that message. This next teaching is going to get a little challenging for us. Again, staying in Scripture, not cutting anything out. Letting Peter speak this to Cornelius and now he's speaking it to us. Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. So yes, he's fully God, therefore he is a just God and there's going to be this judgment. And here's how it says it's going to happen. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Ooh. Now let me just, let me talk about this for a second. Let me talk about his first coming versus his second coming. So his first coming has already come. And he came to this world because he loves you. He recognized that we are separated from him. And Jesus did all the work. He went to the cross to die for your sins so that you could receive the gift of salvation. So his first coming is all about love and grace and mercy. And he's done all the work. He did it all. He didn't give you a list of rules that many people think, this is how I'm made right with God, by following all these rules. And if I'm a really, really good person, that my good outweighs my bad, then I'll be in favor, I'll be in relationship with Jesus. But that's not the case. It's not through a list of rules. Salvation is through the person of Jesus. And he's done all the work. And now, he ascended back into heaven and he's given us the gift of time. Some of you in this room may have not have made that response. And the time is a gift. Many people take much more time than others to understand who Jesus is. But this is why you are here. This is why God created you, is to be in a relationship with him, and he wants to spend eternity with you. And so understanding his first coming is so important. His second coming, when he comes, yes, he is going to judge everyone. And there is sadness in this. But you have to understand, God is a just God. And when you look at society and you look at culture, culture would say the same thing. What do we do when we see injustice in our world? We rise up. 
These last couple of years, the war in Russia and Ukraine, like when we see injustice, the world rises up. This comes from God because he is a just God and he is fair. And he has done all of what he can do so that you could be in a relationship with him and you can trust in that. But on the final judgment, the, the, the verse in, in Revelation chapter 20 that talks about Every name that's not in the book of life is going to be thrown in the lake of fire. There's other verses. The roads to the heavenly gates are narrow. The road to Hades, that lake of fire, is wide. There is a difference of judgment from a believer to a non-believer. And my heart here is I'm not trying to fear you into anything. I'm trying to express God's love for you, that you're here, a part of his plan. He's done everything for you but he is going to be a just God and that sin has to be dealt. And that is now the last point because there is good news for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. But if you have not done that, I want you to go home. I want you to pray about it. If you have questions, come talk to us. We want to help you in your steps because it literally means life or death. The relationship and, what, and, and, and how you view Jesus, it's a big deal. But there is good news and Peter ends with good news. Everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. I asked you that question at the beginning. How are you made right with God? Paul writes about it in Romans right here. For everyone has sinned. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe, it's not a list of rules, that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. It's by believing, not by doing. It's putting your trace in what Jesus did. He paid for your sins. It's by believing. And we can't add anything to it. I don't... Yes, I see a couple t-shirts. Jesus plus nothing. That's what that means. We're made right with God with Jesus plus nothing. And we put our faith and trust in the person of Jesus of what he did on the cross. Now, I want to end with this. It is possible to have the right information about Jesus and still not be in a saving relationship. I said, remember that verse, it was the demons. You know, you got to understand, demons flee at Jesus. And by his command, they fleed. But when they came out, what did they say? They shouted, you are the son of God. Satan knows who Jesus is. But he's not in a saving relationship. The demons all know who Jesus is. They all know that he has supreme authority that he is fully God. They all know that. And I think people also fall in this camp. And so having the right information, there is now something that we're going to talk about next week, and it's a heart response. So how do we respond to this information? There's people, I think, like Satan, that respond to Jesus with a hard heart. They might believe this. They might say, okay, that, that happened that way, but there's still just a heart a hardened heart. And so next week, we're going to talk about the response. We're going to, 
we're going to celebrate what, how Cornelius responded to this message. And so if you're here and you're like, okay, I, once I have the right information, simply put, you've got to have the right heart. You've got to have the right attitude. It's a heart condition, but first, having the right information about Jesus is foundational. And now when your heart and the information align and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's when you're saved. Come back next week as we talk more about that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come here to celebrate you. You are amazing. Your love for us is unconditional. It's unfailing, Lord. That you didn't leave us here stranded to deal with our own sin problem, but rather you put your love into action for each and every one of us. And you came and spared us all the details of our sin because your love for us. God, you are amazing. And Jesus, we recognize that you gave your life. And at that moment, you conquered our sin. You healed our sin disease. But Jesus, you were also raised three days later. You were resurrected. You are the resurrected king. And God, now that is a promise to all your followers that we're going to experience the death and resurrection as well, Lord. So Lord, we celebrate that. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. Lord, you freely give it to us. And so I pray for those individuals that might be hearing this message, Lord, that you are granting them this amazing gift. My hope is that they'd receive it, Lord, that they'd embrace the gift of salvation because of who you are and how much you love them. And God, and I'm excited if that happens to watch their lives be transformed, that they first, for the first time, can experience peace that only comes from you, Lord. And Lord, we're grateful that there is a time where this is all going to end. And I pray as a church that we would hear those those truths about scripture that point us in a direction that we see many people are going to make the wrong decision. But God, we thank you that we still have time. And God, you have entrusted Alpine Church in this northern community of Utah to be your arms and feet of the ministry of getting this word out, Lord. And I pray for everyone who's here that's put their faith and trust in Jesus that maybe, God, that you would put people on our minds that need to hear this truth, Lord that we can come and love on them and speak love and truth with them, Lord. I pray that to happen and that more people would find you. So Jesus, we're grateful for who you are. You've done everything possible to give us life. And I pray for those who have not yet here received that, that they would receive it. I pray, Lord, that our, our voices would honor you as we lift up your name and exalt your name in this last song, Lord. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.